Hey everyone, and welcome to the Christ Family Church Podcast. We are so glad that you've made the decision to take time out of your day to join us virtually. Whether you're at home right now or listening on your way to work, we hope that you enjoy this week's teaching from Pastor Zachary Fraley. Today, we're currently launching into a new sermon series called Vision 2023, and this is a point where we as a church come together and we pray about the future vision for our church, where we come together and we open scripture and we don't just ask, where do we want to go, but God, where are you leading us? Where do you desire for your church to go? Looking back to the first century church, who were they and what can we learn from them so that we can continue to be the unstoppable force that was described by Jesus in the church that we may not even see today with any of them? How can we get back to that? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Matthew 16. We'll also be in Acts 2 today. Um, we're going to be in the latter part of the Bible, the New Testament. But um, we are looking at Jesus' words to Peter as well as his disciples. And we know that Jesus said these words because we know Jesus said these words because they are written in red. So there we, I went to seminary to know that. Um, awesome. If you have your Bibles, we'll start at verse 17. I feel funny today. Yeah. Will you progress it? Oh, there we go. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we come before you today and um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we just ask that you would bless this time. We ask that we just wouldn't sit and listen, Father, but that you would stir in our hearts movement, that you would stir in our hearts to react, um, to take and learn, take, take what we are learning and put it into action today. Jesus, we pray that these words wouldn't just be spoken, but Father, they would be anointed by your Holy Spirit, and they would move us to be your people in a world that so desperately needs you. In a world that is polarized and split and fractured, Jesus, we pray that your love would be the thing that brings it together that heals it, that points us back to you, Father. So we worship you, Jesus. We worship um, you, God, and we pray that you would bless this time together, that you would open our eyes to see your goodness, that you would open our uh, ears to hear your message. And Jesus, I pray that you would open each and every one of our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. It is in the mighty name of Christ we pray. And everyone said, amen. So um, what is the church? I want you to just think for a moment, take a step back. What is the church? What is the church for, okay? What is the mission of the church? Not just this church, but looking at the church globally. What is the mission of the church? And if the church, as we just read in Matthew, was meant to be such a great thing that even the powers of hell would not conquer it, then what is the church that we see today? Why do we see such a decline today? Why is it so hard to even be a Christian? Why do we have a fear of sharing our faith so many times? All of these questions are important and valid. They're good to ask. And if you have asked those questions, because I know for certain that I should not just be the one that's asking those questions, right? It shouldn't just be the pastor's burden. But if you've been asking those questions, you've been thinking in an ecclesiological manner. What that means is it's just really fancy words for you've been thinking about the church and the study and doctrine of it. And if that interests you, then the next three weeks are going to be great for you. 
the purpose and mission and vision and what is all of that for God's church. I don't mean the church buildings or the church that we go to. I mean, I don't mean the churches that are contemporary or have hymns or have um, even instruments or no instruments or fog machines or no fog machines. What is the mission of the church in our world, the global church, the um, what we would call ecumenical, the uh, universal church, the church that is growing actually in parts of Asia where we see it blossoming and growing in Africa, where actually the church is growing the fastest in Iran right now, where it is illegal to be a Christian and to share your faith. Our brothers and sisters in the Middle East right now who profess Christ even at the risk of death, what is the mission of the global church, the big picture? What's her mission and her calling? And has it shifted and changed? Are we still on the same mission that Jesus set us out for, set out for us? Because if we are on God's mission, then I think we can read these words in Matthew and go, even the powers of hell, the gates of hell will not conquer the church. So I want to shift our focus really quickly. And I want you to um, think, I want to turn our eyes to the YMCA. Now, you may not know this, but I am actually a sponsor and donor to the YMCA. And by this, I mean that I pay a monthly fee and I never go. So, um, yeah, my name's not on any placard, but, you know, I see their name every month on my statement. So it's okay. Um, I will actually drive by now and again to make sure the lights are on, you know, like, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, I'm giving to that thing right there. Um, But I'm just not a fan of sweating, so... I, I think it's just, it's an obligation for millennials to have a gym membership. It makes us feel better about ourselves, but, um, you know, it's, I don't know that many of my generation that are actually, you know, using it. Um, but when we think of the YMCA, what do you think about, right? Not just the thing that I give to every month, um, but what is the mission of the YMCA? At this point, it is literally, I looked on their website, it's to create an environment for health. But the YMCA was started back in 1844. And I want you to, do you think, do you know what the mission of that was? Actually, we don't even know many times what the name of it was. It was the Young Men's Christian Association. And it was founded, and that's what the YMCA stands for. And, um, you know, it's not just the YMCA, but it was meant to be a Young Men's Christian Association um, that was founded to help young men put Christian values into practice. Their original core value and mission statement was helping to develop young men's body, soul, and spirit. It goes back to the Shema or um, what we would call the greatest commandment, what um, Jewish people have written on a scroll and put on all of their doors, and that is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. The YMCA, it started with a Bible study, and the people went to it. They would actually frequently go out and preach in the streets, hand out pamphlets about Jesus. The YMCA in 1844 was founded to help people follow Jesus. The original logo even had a Bible in it with a chi in a row on it, and it's amazing. But if you were to go into a YMCA today, the one that is literally 60 feet right over there, you would not know that at all. Would you even know that it was founded as a Christian organization? You would not know their origins. You would not know that they began literally as an outreach. You would not even know that their mission was to help people come to know Jesus or that their name YMCA actually has the word Christian in it. Why? Why did such a great organization that has begun, began to help others follow Christ change so drastically? Why did it change so drastically to the point where we don't even, it's not even a Christian organization anymore? 
There's nothing in there that's related to Scripture. The answer, it's not so cut and dry. We could sit here and talk about it in maybe an economics class or say, well, it's corporate greed and capitalism and stuff like that. Or we can, it's a myriad of other things. But however, the real reason, at least from what I see, is something that we call mission creep. Okay, and I'm not just talking about that, you know, I'm a creep song. Talking about how the mission of an organization can slowly start to creep and change to the point where it doesn't even reflect what it was. The YMCA today, you know, there's no issue with it. Again, I'm a sponsor and a donor of the YMCA. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I paid for one of those things, one of the exercise machines in there. Not sure which one, with all the money I give and never use. But the mission has changed totally. Mission creep is where the original intention gets lost. The original mission gets forgotten in the shuffle where choices are made over and over and over again, slowly moving the organization from their original mission to something radically different than what it was intended to be. And we look at the YMCA and other organizations that were founded for great missions, to, but now have become a place of recreation uh, instead of life change that leads to eternity. Let me state again, I have no qualms with YMCA. Again, sponsor, donor. I did actually just buy a gym bag last week in hopes that it would help me to get excited about going to the gym, okay? Um, but I'm stating that their mission was once guided by core values of caring, honesty, and, and surrounded by truth of scripture. But now today, the Y is dedicated to being a workout place that has changed drastically from their original mission of helping young men to live out their calling, to live out the calling of God and become better Christians um, in, in all that they do. Their mission creeped to something that is unrecognizable today, that is totally different. And sadly, for many churches today, the mission has creeped. Their mission to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, help people to do what Jesus did, it's no longer the reality. For many churches in our world today, there is a focus on appeasing the needs of people, making them feel good, meeting their wants, their needs, their preferences, becoming a nice country club feel where you can come and you can learn a little bit and the pastor can say, well, in the original Greek, and you can walk out of there, but it's not the original mission of the church. The original mission of the church, just like it says in Matthew, was to be such a formidable place that even the gates of hell could not overcome it, to be a place where the lost are welcomed and ushered into a relationship with God, to be a place where the truth is shared even if others disagree because the truth is the truth and we are called to live that out no matter what. Amen? So has the mission of the global church shifted from her original calling and mission? And if so, what are we going to do about it? I think the problem with the church, it's similar to the YMCA. The church has largely lost its purpose and mission, uh, making the church, it's largely treading water instead of moving forward and taking ground, making spiritually overweight Christians who are well-fed, who sit on committees, but don't know how to work out their faith, sitting on the couch of life, focusing on, well, when am I going to get fed? How is the church going to meet my needs? Instead of realizing that we weren't ever, we don't come to church to be fed, but we come to church to bear fruit for God's kingdom focusing on next Sunday or midweek Bible study, instead of seeing their spiritually starving people outside of our four walls, people who are destined for eternity apart from God. Because the church wasn't just made to have Bible studies. It wasn't just made to sit in Sunday service. It wasn't made to be a place where we just come to worship God. Is it all of those things? Yes. But is it meant to be more? Yes. 
these things, Bible studies, Sunday services, worship times, they were never meant to be secluded and separate from, separated from the mission of Jesus Christ. They were meant to spur us on with the mission of Christ in our lives. Deep and rich Bible studies were actually meant to help us to live out the gospel. Deep and rich prayer ministries were meant to help us to live out the gospel truth. Worship was meant to energize us to do the work of God, to help us fall more in love with him so we could turn around and help others to do the same. Prayer groups were meant to encourage living out those prayers as well, to not just pray for the lost in our area, but to go out seeking them, seeking and, and uh, building a relationship with them. So why is the church largely ineffective? Why is it treading water, not moving forward? The church in the U.S., and again, I, today I'm talking about the church in the U.S. because the church in other parts of the world is blossoming and growing. Uh, I think it's so wonderful. Um, in one of my classes on mission, I learned that there are literally churches in Africa sending missionaries to the U.S. to evangelize and to teach us. But why is this happening? Well, some scholars call what we are living in the post-Christian era, where the teachings of Jesus don't hold the same weight. And I think you would notice that. Uh, my grandmother grew up in a time where she could say, well, the Bible says this, and people were like, yes, that is the final authority. But if you say that to a, a millennial or Gen Z today, well, the Bible says this, they're going to be like, okay, I don't read that book. Uh, for me personally, the Bible is the final authority in my life. I choose to have faith in God and the words that he wrote to me. I have chosen to believe the words in the Bible above the words that culture says to me or even the words of even my closest family and friends. And my life has been blessed because of it, because of the wisdom, but also because I believe that I'm living out the call of God on my life. But most people in our world are not like you and me. Most people are not gathered in a church building right now. They didn't wake up and get ready and take a shower and put on perfume and cologne in order to come here and to worship Jesus. They're sleeping right now or doing whatever they want to do. Why is the church losing its grounding? Why has the church largely lost her voice in the world? And why has the church whom Jesus said, even the powers of hell will not conquer it, seem to be conquered in its current context? I think it's because we've lost our central focus and our central mission. We've allowed mission creep to happen. Instead of focusing on reaching those who are far from Jesus, churches have become more like country clubs with exclusive circles and cliques. Instead of showing Jesus' love, churches are riddled with infighting and bickering, arguing over paint in the lobby and furniture, over words translations are used from, over whether a pipe organ is okay, or if we should just have the piano, or if a church should have music at all. Missing the point that if we are to lean into the mission of Jesus, it's going to sort out so many of those issues on the way because there will be a central calling and focus. Just like last week's sermon, is it a leaf, a limb, or a trunk issue? Is this something that we're really going to argue about? So today we're looking at the first century origin, the first century church, right at the first big sermon preached by Peter. We'll be camped out in the book of Acts 2 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn in there. Acts is the only history book within the uh, New Testament. Uh, the other genres are the Gospels, the four Gospels. We have letters or epistles, um, and then we have uh, history, which we're going to be reading, and then apocryphal writings, which would be Jude and Revelation as well. But in this, this one shows the history of the early church, a church that many would argue was pretty unstoppable, pretty amazing. In this particular section, some pretty big items happened leading up to this. Jesus had just ascended into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, and out of that prayer comes this amazing sermon from Peter. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. 
I was reading that this morning, and I, I just laughed a little bit. Like, that was 2,000 years ago. You know, there, that was a crooked generation. I think people would be like, what is happening in our world today? 2,000 years ago, the church was saying the same thing, okay? Um, I'm going to read it again. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, and probably our church today, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said, they were baptized. They were added to their numbers to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to this, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs, wonders, and all the believers they met together in one place. They shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of his people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. You want to know what they did? They started doing the things that Peter told them to do. Listen to the apostles' teaching, have fellowship with each other, break bread together, and pray together. That sounds unstoppable. When I read that, my pastoral heart goes, I want those days again. Those were the good old, day, old days, not 50 years ago. or uh, how, When was the 1950s? Like, you know, I hear so many people, those were the good old days. Sure, gas was really cheap, but like 2,000 years ago, you didn't even need gas back then. Those were the great days. That sounds amazing. This part right here excites your pastor's heart. It shows the picture of the church where they said, let's do whatever it takes to reach anyone that we can because they were on mission. They had had their lives changed drastically by God and they wanted to help change others' lives. But yet for some reason, the church in our world today in the U.S. doesn't really hold that weight at the moment. Again, there's infighting, there's bickering, arguments over tertiary leaf issues There are breaks upon breaks upon breaks, and these are indicative of a greater problem, a lack of mission and purpose. Because when we are on mission, the color of the carpets doesn't matter as much. When we are on mission, the color of the stage background doesn't matter as much. When we are on mission, the new pastor doesn't even matter as much because we know that the church isn't about him. It's about Jesus Christ and about the community of people gathered around Jesus because at that point, when we focus on the mission, the main thing is the main thing and nothing else distracts us. The main thing is his great commission to us in Matthew 28. When Jesus said, now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee on the mountain, which Jesus had directed them. When they they saw him, they worshiped him. But even some of the disciples doubted him. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, I want you to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have taught you, commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's our mission? The YMCA, they forgot it, right? They forgot their mission in in 1844. That was like, what, 170 years ago? Okay, didn't do the math again, pastor, not a mathematician. Um, You can ask Sue Kavach what that number was, okay? She knows math. But this was the mission of the church. And they, they, the YMCA forgot that mission from a hundred and however many years ago. Our mission from 2,000 years ago is to go, to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. 
This was the mission of the church. This was the calling of Jesus' bride. And if I'm getting fast here, it's because this really excites me. This is what we were made to do on this side of heaven, Christ Family Church, to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that God has commanded us, knowing that we aren't alone in it, knowing that we are not forgotten, but he is with us even until the end of the age. This is the first mission statement ever given to the church. This is what we were found to do 2,000 years ago and what some churches have forgotten about, but not our church because we go back to the word of God and we say, Holy Spirit, lead us as you see fit. But how has our mission crept? How has the mission and shifted in something that it was not originally meant to be? My desire for our church, again, is to continually return to this year after year, to continually to be reformed and reforming and asking ourselves if we are living this out or not if we are truly leaning into this, and if we lived like this was true, what would we do? If Jesus was here right at this moment telling us, go and make disciples of all the nations, what would we do? We probably wouldn't finish the worship service. We'd be like, okay, Jesus, let's go. You know, come with me. Are you going to come with me? Right? If Jesus spoke those words to us right now, we wouldn't have mission creep at all. We wouldn't focus on anything else. We'd be like, okay, Let's go. It doesn't even matter if we have a church building or not because the church is God's people, not a building. Looking to Acts 2, we see that the church did in fact have a mission and a goal to share the good news that comes only from Jesus Christ and to be the family of God and then to grow the family of God. Looking back to Acts 2, 41. So those who believed what Peter said, they were baptized, added to the church today, about 3,000 in all, probably one of the best sermons ever preached you know, I, that would be amazing. It's like Peter can, I want to be taught by Peter. My, my seminary professor didn't, never preached a sermon where 3,000 people came to know Christ, right? All the believers, though, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. 3,000 people added to the church in that one day. Again, arguably one of the best sermons ever, but what came out of it is the most important thing. They had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and sharing of the meals, and to prayer. They had their priorities right. So in the last part of this, I want to ask the question, how can the church get back to her mission and calling? How can we as God's church, as Christ's church on earth, the one that he said, even the powers of hell will not overcome you, how can we get back to our central mission and calling? And I believe the answer is for us to focus on the mission above our preferences. We say it every Sunday, we are called to live God's truth and grow followers of Jesus, to live God's truth in a world that seems to be turning away from truth altogether and to help followers of Jesus grow. Whether you have been a follower for 20 seconds or whether you have been a follower for 2,500 years, we want to help you grow because we will never be complete this side of heaven. We are all growing continually. The mission of the early church, it was so prevalent to them. They knew Jesus was coming back. They had this urgency to reach everyone for Jesus. So they laid aside their Jewish traditions. They put aside their preferences. They even put aside their personal dreams. Many sold all of their property to give to the church. I'm not saying do that. You know, you need a house to live in. But they truly lived out the mission of Jesus, sharing him with everyone. And that has been the staple and tradition of our faith. Many people gave up their preferences and comforts in Europe to come over here to provide us a place where our faith could grow. I think it's so interesting. Our mission, the mission of our grandparents and great-grandparents, your parents, was so on their mind. It was so important for them to reach the next generation because they knew the church is only as strong as the next generation is. 
that we are teaching them. So they laid aside their preferences so that their children could come to know Christ. Many of you are Christians today because your grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents laid aside their own preferences and comfort so that you could become a Christian. They focused on their mission. I know it's hard for some of us to quantify even what the next generation is. Many of you don't get to see them every day. But I was talking with Kat Carter this week, and she has four wonderful children. Um, One of them is eighth grade and the rest are younger. But she shared with me, she's like, you know, Pastor, the church in this music, uh, the, the music in the church at all times, it's not my favorite. She's like, I don't like the contemporary songs. I don't like those songs. I like, I like the hymns. I want to hear a pipe organ, right? But she said she looks over at her, church, at her kids in the pews worshiping Jesus. And she says, okay, for them, I can lay aside my preferences so they can come to know Christ. She's like, you know what? I don't even like the sermons all the time. It, obviously not my sermons, other people's, okay? Okay. Um, But she said she looks over and she sees her, uh, you know, 13-year-old son taking notes engaged with the message. And she's like, it's for them, not even for me. She lays aside her preferences so that the next generation can have a faith so real. It's so real to her that she continually says, okay, if I can help them to become Christians, then that's what really matters, to teach them the truth of Christ. And your family did the same thing that she is doing. I mean, again, look at that piano over there. Did you know that that was seen as like the devil's instrument? It was honky-tonk for so many generations. It was the instrument of the bars. That will never be in the church. We are for pipe organs and for all the instruments. And then someone said, well, you know what? If the next generation is listening to that honky-tonk in the bar, then let's get them out of the bar and into the church. And so they brought that in. They laid aside their preferences. I'm sure they were like, you know what? I don't like the piano, just like many of you are like, I don't like an electric guitar. But they said, I'm going to lay aside my preferences because the mission was so real to them. For some reason, your ancestors put aside their own preferences so that you could come to know Christ. So who's waiting to know Jesus on the other side of your sacrifice? Who's waiting to know Jesus on the other side of you laying down your preferences? Why did they do that? And how did they even get past the infighting and bickering that they focused on the mission? They had their eyes on the prize. They wanted you to know Jesus, for your kids to know Christ, for their kids to know Jesus. They wanted to create a space for everyone to become so deeply devoted to Jesus. So they brought even in a honky-tonk piano so that you and I could worship Jesus. They saw the bigger picture and the bigger calling of Jesus on the church. They said, if that will help the church to grow, if that will help to reach the next generation, then bring in that nasty instrument, which has now become a very traditional instrument for us. What's the mission of the church now? To boil it down to bare bones, I believe the mission of the church is to, before I get to that, I'm gonna, before I tell you, this is what everything in our church flows out of. The kids' ministry, our adults' ministries, our youth camps, our Bible studies, our outreaches and uh, items like when we went to 4th of July and made lemonade for hours upon hours for people. Everything that we do flows out of these two items. We, as the church, are called to reach and to teach. To reach those who are lost and to teach them the truth of Jesus while also teaching those who are already in our care. To reach looks like inviting somebody to Sunday morning services. It looks like sharing items on Facebook or um, sharing the message with those who um, may not know Jesus, sending them a text message with it. It looks like reaching out to those who are hurt and asking them if they need anything. It looks like caring for the widow across the street, expecting nothing in return and just showing them Christ's love. It looks like sitting down with someone, listening to them, hearing them out, 
It looks like forgiving others, giving them the forgiveness they don't deserve because you and I were given forgiveness that we could never earn or deserve. It looks like sharing your God story with someone, praying for their salvation, interceding on their behalf, taking one of the invite cards in your seats and giving them to someone. Reach, it's evangelistic in nature. It means that we are about having people come to know Jesus and be saved by his grace, but it is also about showing our faith in actions. Reach, it's about living out the calling of Jesus on our lives because you can go to all the Bible studies and prayer groups you want to, but if you aren't reaching out, do you really have the mission of Jesus on your heart? This is a hard question, right? It's a hard question for us to ask, but my job is not to coddle the church. It's not to coddle us and say, oh, you're doing a great job. I'm called to ask the hard questions, to push our church forward, to get us on mission. But if you are not truly focused on the mission of reaching those who are far from God, are you truly all in with Jesus? If you aren't reaching the lost, are you truly saved? Something that burned so deeply, it burned within Peter's heart that he had to do it. He had to leave out. They were literally, before that sermon that we read in Acts 2, up in the upper room praying, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them in such a way that he said, we can't be in here anymore. And he went out to the steps, and he shared the message of Jesus with everybody there, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus. When was the last time that our prayer groups led us to the front streets to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody? When was the last time that our Bible studies led us to go out and say, do you know Jesus? Because you really need to be saved by him? When was the last time, and this is hard for me to ask, that our Sunday sermons even led us to stand up and walk out and share the message of Jesus with somebody? Something burned so deeply with Peter that he said, you know what? I can't sit in this room and just pray to God anymore. I've got to tell people about him. There were amazing things that happened in Acts 2, and we as the church need to get back to that mission 2,000 years ago and ask, Holy Spirit, will you fall on us in such a way that you will move us to go and share your message with those who are far from you, who are currently destined for eternity apart from him? The meeting, it moved them to go out and to reach and to teach. When was the last time that our Bible studies and prayer groups in any of the churches led to that? So our prayer, uh, so even thinking, are our prayer groups biblical? Are our Bible studies biblical? Are our family groups biblical? Are our Sunday morning service biblical? if they don't move us to go and reach and teach the gospel of Jesus? Are our Bible studies effective if they don't move us to reach out to those who are near to us but far from God, if they just teach us but in turn don't help us to reach those who are far from God? Are they truly focused on the mission? So what does this mean? That we as a church are called to put aside our own comforts in order to reach those who are near to us but far from God, those who are just waiting for somebody to show them the love of Jesus. We as the church are called to live on mission, to not get distracted with or stuck in the weeds, but to lift our eyes to Jesus and to focus on his mission to reach those who are far from God and to teach them about Jesus. So Christ Family Church, this week I want to ask you to reach. This month I want to ask you to reach. This next year, can we focus on the vision of the church I want to ask you to reach those who may not go to church anymore. I want to ask you to reach out to those who live right by you. Invite them to a Bible study on Sunday. Invite them to dinner. Share the love of Christ with them and reach. That's how we become the unstoppable church again that was just like the picture Jesus painted for us, that even the gates of hell could not overcome it. We focus on the mission. And then I want you to take a moment and I want you to teach. 
lean into that second one. I would love for so many of you to step up as a family group leader. We're having to like, our family groups right now are filled to the brim because we need more teachers who are willing and ready to sow into our church. I would love for you to start serving in our kids ministry. Go down and teach the next generation about Jesus or serve in youth. Spencer needs a guy volunteer like to help out this year. Will someone step up and say, I'm going to step up and reach and teach the next generation who Jesus Christ is. Will you step up, church? I would love to see it serving because that's our mission too. Those little babies in our nursery to teach them the gospel of Jesus. The little kids in Miss Debbie's class right now to teach them about Jesus. The youth who come on Wednesdays who actually we had our biggest attendance of 25 youth ever in the history of CFC, our biggest attendance of youth on Wednesday night ever. Will you step up and reach and teach them about Jesus? Will you take part in living out the mission of the church? The church at times, it has been unstoppable. It has been a formidable force. It has been something that changed culture. And what what it feels like right now is that the steam was gone. The momentum has been lost. But I want to let you know there is still purpose in the church. There is still purpose in this church. In a world where suicidality and depression are on rise like never before, where people chase after their dreams to realize that the only thing that will fulfill them is God, when, uh, when this and other things are going on, the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, it still rings true. Jesus, he's still the only way. We just have to get back to our mission to reach and to teach. And this is so important for our church to live on mission. Here at Christ Family Church, we have a challenge and a practice every month because we don't just believe you should come to church on a Sunday, but we should live it out. And my commitment or my uh, actual practice that I'm asking you to participate in this month is to prayerfully consider renewing your commitment to God's church. I've talked to so many people and they're like, Pastor, I, see, I served in the nursery ministry. Let's do it again. Pastor, I used to, I was a youth sponsor. Let's do it again. Will you renew your commitment to God's church and to the mission of it so that we can see even the, the wonderful church that Jesus talked about where even the gates of hell will not overcome it? Start again. Do it again. Let's get back in it and let's live out the mission to reach and teach those about Jesus. And a part of that reaching might be for you. Also today, I'm realizing that there may be some people who have never reached out to God. As I'm preaching this sermon, you may be thinking, well, cool, that sounds awesome, Pastor Zachary, but how do I find out about this Jesus that you talk about that has changed so many lives? Today, you may be drowning in sin. You may be overwhelmed by depression or anxiety. You may have started even believing the lies that the world says. No matter where you are, I want to let you know that the forgiveness of God is here for you. His hand is stretched out to you, always waiting for the day that you will reach back to him and choose to say, Jesus, I follow after you. I'll turn from my sin by the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, right before uh, Peter preached, the section with Peter, uh, Peter was the one that preached, but he was one of the worst followers of Jesus. Somebody who doubted Jesus, somebody who denied Jesus three times, who failed horribly and ran away. But Peter, that extreme failure was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says words that led 3,000 people to be saved. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah, to be both our leader and our forgiver. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what must we do to be saved? What should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so many times churches ask, they say, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? 
I don't like that question as much anymore. I think I found a better question for our church right now. If you were to live to see tomorrow, if God were to give you one more day, one more day with a beat in your heart, with breath in your lungs, how would you live tomorrow differently? If God were to give you one more day to follow after him or to change your life, how would you live that day differently? For those of you that may not know Jesus, if God were to give you one more day tomorrow, will you give your life to him? Will you choose to follow after him? Will you walk in this divine experiment even and ask him to fill you? That day, the words of Peter pierced the hearts of 3,000 people. And the truth of Jesus, it was something that rang true and so many of them followed after him. And they chose to f- turn from their sin to God. To cho- they chose to walk in the mission of Jesus and they chose to be saved by him as he was pulling on their hearts as the Holy Spirit was speaking to them. If you've never accepted the gift and the love of Jesus Christ in your heart today, it's easy, okay? It's hard following after him, but it's easy getting started out. It's accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept him. Um, accept and acknowledge that Jesus is who he is, that you need Christ. Believe in who he says he is and then repent. Turn from your sin to Jesus. If you'd like to follow, find out more about that, I'd love to pray with you this week. I'd love to meet with you or talk with you over the phone, even meet with you over coffee. And uh, we can even go to the YMCA if you want. Um, they, I'm sure they'd like to see my face there. They don't even know my face there. But we can talk about Jesus and what it means to truly follow after him with everything that you are. Because this church is a church that is focused on the mission of Jesus to reach those who are far from him and to teach them every day what it means to follow after him. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day, for your life and for your love. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that even our faith, it's not of our own strength, it's not of our own will, Jesus, but it's truly a gift from you. So Father, I just pray for those in this room who feel um, your Holy Spirit leading them, that Jesus, they would um, realize your irresistible grace, that they would walk in that, Father, that they would follow after you with everything they are. And I pray for those in this room who are Christians, who have um, walked after, walked with you for many years, many days, many months, Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would pull us into a deeper discipleship, that we wouldn't just be apathetic, that we wouldn't just go through the motions, God, but we would see your truth and live it out every day. Father, help us to grow closer to you. I thank you for this church. And it's in the words of Jesus that we say together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hey, again, we hope that you enjoyed that teaching from Pastor Zachary and being a part of what God is doing here at Christ Family Church. If you'd like to come visit us in person sometime, we meet every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. And if you'd like more information on our church, you can head over to ChristFamilyChurch.org. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week.